Hello and welcome back to Oral Valley Catholic and I'm Father John Arnold. Father Jean-Pierre de Cassade, an 18th century French Jesuit priest, wrote a small but very influential book entitled The Abandonment to Divine Providence. That book, Abandonment to Divine Providence, which doesn't take very long to read, encourages Catholics to accept that every moment of their life is a sacrament. You know, over time, the church has taught that Christ instituted seven sacraments, and he did. But the seven sacraments do not limit the sacramental reality of life. Every day, God comes to us under visible signs that direct us to an unseen reality. Think of the church. There is a visible sign of an unseen reality. The people of God, this is the essence of a sacrament. But in any event, here's what Father Jean-Pierre wrote in his book, Abandonment to Divine Providence. If we could lift the veil, and if we watched with vigilant attention, God would endlessly reveal himself to us, and we should see and rejoice in his active presence in all that befalls us. At every event, we should exclaim, it is the Lord. That's the end of the quote, because that phrase, it is the Lord, is about the risen Christ. You know, this book, Abandonment to Divine Providence, had a terrific impact on St. Therese of Lisieux, whose uh, feast is this Thursday. But you know, this idea of seeing our Lord through the sacramental realities of everyday life is called discernment of spirits. It's to see the Lord in the day-to-day of our lives. So let's talk about St. Ignatius of Loyola and the gospel today and discernment of spirits. This section is entitled, St. Ignatius of Loyola and the Discernment of Spirits. You know, faith is an act of the will, and that means, in short, that faith is a rational act. There are those who would marginalize the experiences of believers by asserting that faith is just feelings, just emotion. There's no reason to it. But for Catholics, clearly, it's faith and reason. Believers can get carried away by emotion, that's for sure. Uh, But scientists can get carried away by emotion too. Anybody can get carried away by their emotions. But faith itself is a rational act. That is, it's a choice. No one is made to believe anything. So faith isn't a feeling. It's not an emotion, although feelings and emotions are very important in the human experience of faith. Fundamentally, faith is a rational choice to believe in God to believe in the risen Jesus and to follow. And so think about that. You see reality, you make a judgment about it, and then you act. That's the choice. You see, you judge, you act. In friends, in short friends, that is discernment of spirit. Um, Rationality in faith, and this is just one of those things. And it's like, uh, I forget who was asked, uh, G.K. Chesterton, what's the reason you believe? I don't know, Why do you? what's the one reason you believe in mathematics? Or what's the one reason 
you married your spouse. Some things have one reason. Some things are about a lot of reasons. And so for Chesterton, he said, it's thousands of reasons. Well, here's one. Why is there something rather than nothing? If the universe has, at the time did not exist, well, nothing comes from nothing. And so there must be something more uh, than just the universe. And as St. Thomas Aquinas would say, and that we call God. No, how do you make the connection between that God and Jesus? Well, again, it is using the gift of reason. But maybe that's for another homily. I want to talk about discernment of spirits. How is it that we look out into this sacramental reality and decide whether it's God speaking to us or perhaps a darker spirit? You know, in each of our lives, we have impulses, intuitions, compulsions, and choices. They're not all the same things. Some stuff is just habit. You don't think about it. Sometimes you just overcome by the moment or the emotion of something. But to rationally see, to judge what's happening, to act, this is the action of reason in faith. You see, the rational act of faith is the choice to make a judgment about all the influences that are driving or drawing us in life and subjecting them to our rational understanding of God and what he calls us to. A good example is the role of discernment played in the life of St. Ignatius of Loyola, one of the founding fathers of the Society of Jesus. And it's a good example because there is a rational aspect to it that's driving it. But he's dealing with his emotions, his impulses, his desires, all of these things he's trying to make sense of. And so he writes the spiritual exercises kind of rooted out of his experiences. Uh, but we're just going to start with the basic idea of what discernment of uh, spirits is about. So if you haven't heard it, let me take a moment and tell you the story of St. Ignatius of Loyola and how his eyes were opened to the presence of the spirit of God in his life, but also other spirits, which were not from God. So Inigo, as he was known, started out life as a minor nobleman and a soldier in 16th century Spain. He was wounded in a battle at Pamplona and his leg was badly damaged. While he was recuperating back home, he was given some books to read. Some of the books were about chivalry, romance, and war. Others were about the life of the saints, one in particular, I think. Inigo was a typical Catholic of that time and place, and bored out of his skull, he began to read books. Reading and studying is often the last resort of the typical Catholic. That's my little aside. So this is from a book by uh, Father Timothy Gallagher on discernment of spirits. And I'd like to read a quote from that book about this process, because I want to get it right. So as he read these books over many times, he became rather fond of what he found written there. This is actually from the autobiography of St. Ignatius of Loyola as dictated to one of his Jesuit companions. So this goes back to the 17th century. Putting his reading aside, he sometimes stopped to think about the things that he had read and at other times about the things of the world that he used to think about before. Of the many vain things that presented themselves to him, one took such a hold on his heart that he was absorbed in thinking about it for two or three or four hours without realizing it. 
He imagined what he would do in the service of a certain lady, the means he would take so he could go to the country where she lived, the verses, the words he would say to her, the deeds of arms he would do in her service. They became so conceited with this, they did not consider how impossible it would be, because the lady was not of the lord nobility, nor a countess, nor a duchess, but her station was higher than any of these. That's, like I said, out of St. Ignatius's autobiography, as he was telling his story. So think about what you just heard. Notice that Ignatius was drawn into thinking and feeling about this story with strong emotional uh, drives. The thought of great deeds affected him. It moved him emotionally, and his mind ran away with him. He dreamt, he fantasized, really, about what he would do to win the love of this woman. His reason and intellect will tell him, ultimately, that his fantasies do not ring true. This isn't the real world. This is not something that can happen. And even if it did, it might not be a good thing. You see, Spain was a very rigid, class-conscious society, and Inigo could never pursue his dreams with a lady so far above his humble station. He, like us, only had choices that were real and rational. I'd like to think, and I think it's true, you only meet God in the real world. His autobiography continued. And so this, again, is quoting uh, St. Ignatius. Nevertheless, our Lord assisted him, causing other thoughts that arose from the things he read to follow these. While reading the life of our Lord and of the saints, he stopped to think, reasoning within himself. What if I should do what St. Francis did, what St. Dominic did? So he pondered over many things that he found to be good, always proposing to himself what was difficult and serious. And as he proposed them, they seemed to him easy to accomplish. But as every thought was to say to himself, St. Dominic did this, therefore I have to do it. Or St. Francis did this, therefore I can do this, I have to do this. These thoughts also lasted a good while. But when other matters intervened, the worldly thoughts mentioned above returned. He also spent much time on them. Well, he was experiencing what we experience. Fantasy is an escape. Uh, La-la land can make you feel much better than reality. But the idea that you could fast and pray and serve God's people, that's actually doable. And when you see saints do it, you say, that is a great thing. This is the fight that's going on in his life. And he found himself bouncing back and forth between ideas about fame and fortune and other ideas about sanctity and service and God. In short, he was torn between two very different projects or spirits in his life, quoting again from his autobiography. Yet there was this difference. When he was thinking about the things of the world, he took much delight in them, but afterwards, when he was tired and put them aside, he found that he was dry and discontented. But when he thought of going to Jerusalem, barefoot and eating nothing but herbs, and undergoing all the other rigors that he saw the saints had endured. Not only was he consoled when he had these thoughts, but even after putting them aside, he remained content and happy. So both these ideas about the future occupied his thoughts. He, however, felt that one ultimately left him feeling dry, the other inspired pleasant feelings. Then uh, in his autobiography, autobiography, he talks about a moment of grace in his life. 
quoting again. He did not wonder, however, at this, nor did he stop to ponder the difference until one time his eyes were opened a little and he began to marvel at the difference and reflect upon it, realizing from experience that some thoughts left him sad and others happy. Little by little, he came to recognize the difference between the spirits that agitated him, one from the demon and the other from God. That phrase, until one time his eyes were opened a little and he noticed the difference between how his thoughts made him feel. The experience became the root of his spiritual exercise and what we know of as the discernment of spirits. This spiritual process has come to be articulated according to the three steps that I previously described, becoming aware, understanding, and taking action. This is the basis for teaching spiritual discernment in our seminaries and is at the heart of spiritual direction. Quickly put, see, judge, act. Become aware of how you think and feel. Understand the effects on you and the sense of reality involved and then do something about it. Look at what your life really is. Think about what you, is the decision that's presented to you. How do they make you feel? What do you think of them? Where are they going? And then, based on that, make a judgment about what you're supposed to do. It's how we listen to God and respond to his voice. It's ultimately the sacramental nature of the world that we live in. That's at the heart of the gospel today. In today's gospel, Matthew tells the stories of two sons, both of whom are called by their father to work in the fields. But they go in opposite directions. You remember the gospel. One says, sure, dad, I'll go to work. But on the way out to the field says, decides otherwise. The other kid says, no, I'm not going to. But on his way of walking away from the field, he thinks better of it and goes back there to work. Jesus concludes with the upshot of this parable, which is directed at the leaders of Israel. Amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him, but tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe him. And so how's the parable applied to his his prophetic criticism of the leaders of Israel. All these people got off of the wrong foot in life, tax collectors and prostitutes. They heard John the Baptist and they decided to change their way and start to live a righteous life. But the ones who were, who were living righteously but really wandering, when they saw that preaching, it didn't change them at all. Um, they pretended they were working the father's fields, but really they were not. Jesus is doing what prophets do, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. He's indicting the leadership of Israel. Jesus is speaking to the chief priests and the elders of the people who rejected John the Baptist and Jesus. Prophets call us to repentance, that is to think about what we're doing with our lives. Spirits of discernment, God is always calling us, asking us to think what we're doing with the gift of our life. Ezekiel, and this is the first reading, had a prophecy of judgment for the people. He prophesied to the exiles in Babylon in the 6th century BC. And so as these people who got drug out of Jerusalem by the Babylonian army, as they sat making bricks along the river Chabar, 
They griped that God was unfair, although it was their own choices that brought them to that sorry place in life. You know, we can gripe about God being unfair, but how complicit are we in all the implosions of our life? They thought they could live their lives any way they wanted, and there wouldn't be any undesirable consequences. And so Ezekiel says, you say that the Lord's way is not fair. Hear now, house of Israel, is it my way that is unfair or rather are not your ways unfair? It's chapter 18 of Ezekiel. Our choices in life have consequences. Our ideas have consequences. When we discern choices in life, we have to see what's happening, understand how it affects us and others, and then make a judgment about what we should do. Faith orients those decisions because without faith, the temptation is just to be selfish, take care of number one. But in our decision-making, how we see, how we understand, how we act, uh, part of it is, what kind of persons does this make me? How does this affect uh, the people around me? What obligations do I have? All of these things are about discernment of spirits. Fantasies always encourage us to try to escape the hard realities of our life. Look, why do people take drugs? Because life's difficult and it makes them feel better. Pretty much that's any addictive behavior. It just helps you to deal with the anxieties of life. But instead, to look into those anxieties and to recognize that this is the moment of purgation that's calling us to love and service of God. It is hard to step up to the plate. It is counterintuitive not to run away, but to stay, make the choices you need to make that are faithful to God. We live in a time of choices. Choices have to be made. And we live in a culture that's not very support, supportive of faith-filled choices. And so we learn to be strong because we take the time to sit down and think about what we are doing with our lives, where these decisions go, to see, to judge, to act. And this is the story of Inigo, who became St. Ignatius of Loyola. He could have gone out and apparently pursued fame on the battlefield and an advantageous uh, marriage. Um, but he also had another idea, and this other idea was indistinct, because I think that is how God leads us. It's just one step at a time. At no point did God reveal this entire plan for an Inigo's life. It just unfolded. And I think that's a great way of thinking about discernment of spirits, that our life unfolds and our life opens up. Uh, God's will is revealed to us as we make faith-filled decisions. And so I'd like to bring all of this to a close. The sermons of spirits and the moments of our life. You know, there are certain times in our lives that are watersheds, turning points, or that moment of truth. That is what St. Ignatius is describing as he is recuperating from his wounds uh, there in the family house. These moments of truth occur in everybody's life when they are considering, say, a, a career or a career change, a vocation, or a moment that can make or break us. Um, everybody has those moments. It's not typically of er uh, typical of every day, but there are some decisions that are much more momentous than others. 
but discernment of spirits, asking where will this choice lead me, belongs to everyday life. It's really part of prayer. What's my future like if I just keep returning tit for tat my family, keep this dysfunctional pattern going? Or what is my future like if I just keep picking at other people? Well, the answer to both of those is not so great. So maybe time to discern a spirit and try a different path. Use your imagination. Lots of ways that discernment of spirit affects the choices we make. Discerning God's voice, that is, discerning spirits, is to see, judge, and act. To choose between the spirit of light and the spirit that, step by step, choice by choice, leads us into darkness. We need some quiet time to take stock of the direction in our lives and ask, where's all this going? This is the heart of mental prayer as we listen to God's voice. There's, we must be grateful. We must praise God. We must give thanks to God. But the reason you look forward to mental prayer, to see, to judge, to act, is to take these intuitions of where God is in our life and what's he calling me to do today? Maybe we always think it's some momentous thing. Maybe it's just being at peace and being open to who he sends us in that day. Remember Jean-Pierre Cassade, uh, the sacramentality of the present moment? Uh, that's what he means by uh, abandoning yourself to divine providence. It's to be aware of the sacrament. You can walk up to the Eucharist um, mindlessly, thoughtlessly, your mind and thoughts a million miles away on some weird little fantasy, or you can be intent on who you're encountering in the Eucharist. Discerning God's voice, that is discerning spirits, um, is a daily activity and growth in the spiritual life. So it calls us to make judgments about the meaning and purpose of our lives and then act accordingly. Mostly we probably do this reflexively. I think people do do this reflexively. reflexively. But asking the question, where is this path going? Is it the heart of discerning God's voice? See, in the gospel today, God's voice calls each of us to work in his vineyard. Some people say yes, but end up walking away. Some people say no, but end up getting to work. What direction are we taking? <laughs>